the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, the Bible says that we need to be ready in season and out of season. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 26 to 30. And I entitled this message, A God of Details. Now, you know, all of us have a different way of doing things, right? We're all a little bit different. Some of us are very detailed oriented, meaning you like to work within a framework of very specific plans. You pay attention to every detail. You follow the directions, staying inside the lines while never going beyond their borders. You thrive in an organized environment, knowing that everything, you know, in your life, you know, you like it to be very routine. And when you have that, you flourish in that regularity and that uniformity. And within that, you do an excellent job at your work. Yet you're extremely uncomfortable in the midst of chaos and disorder. You don't like it. Then there are those who are the polar opposite of that. It's those of you who seem to thrive, you could say, in disorder. You simply fly by the seat of your pants, meaning you don't need clearly defined lines or instructions. You can work in a messy environment. Yes, it does cost you at times because you can never find your car keys. We understand that. But in the midst of the disarray, the clutter, and the mess, you seem to find your creativity, and it thrives within that. And when the unexpected happens, you know how to improvise, meaning you just jump in and you just go for it. Well, you're good at speaking with no warning. You can just get up and talk in front of anybody. You can throw things together at the just drop of a hat, you know, with very little notice. And somehow things just seem to work out for you. As you know, our world is made of of both types of people and many in the middle, you could say. I think I fall in the middle of that, yet I lean a little bit more towards the latter, I think. But the fact is we need both, even though they go about things so differently. For example, if they were both to buy a barbecue and that barbecues had to be assembled out of the box, the detail person takes out the 26-page you know, instruction manual, and he follows it every single page, every single instruction to assemble his barbecue. And when he gets done putting it together, he doesn't have one part left over. Well, the undetailed person, he's overwhelmed by those instructions. How? 
could you have so many instructions just to put the barbecue together? So he tosses it over his shoulder, and he puts it together. And when he's done, he's got all kinds of screws and washers left over. But what does it matter? They both barbecue still. Okay, they both work. I think I'd rather have the one put together by the guy that followed the instructions, but the bottom line is they both work, you know, and of course the point is the world though needs both of those mindsets so for if we only had the detailed mindset, there'd be many things that wouldn't get done. You think, well, why is that? Because we don't always have a set of blueprints for every detail of this crazy life that we're living in. So we need someone to just make it happen. I always like to be prepared myself, personally, wherever I go. You know, if I'm asked to teach somewhere, if I teach here on Sunday morning or Thursday night, I spend a lot of time preparing because I want to be prepared. But yet there's those times that I just have to wing it. Yes, the Bible says that we need to be ready in season and out of season. That means be ready when you're prepared and you knew you were going to do something, and that's fine, but be ready out of season. Be ready when just at the drop of a hat, something happens. But of course, you know, it's a little different for some people. You don't want some people to be shift on the fly people. Like, for example, doctors and pilots, okay? You don't want them to be shift on the fly. You don't want them to like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and cut you open and uh, I'll look around in there, see if I see anything weird, you know? (laughs) No, 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 no. I I want a game plan, okay? I want want to be prepared for this. It's like getting on an airplane and the pilot comes on. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm going to put this big old bird up in the air. Yeah, I don't know where these gauges are. It's a little confusing up here, but I don't know about this fuel gauge, but hey, yeah, we'll just wing it. No, 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 no. Get me off this plane. Okay. No, so there's certain people you don't want to just wing it. But yet in life, there is a place for both to thrive. But we need to make sure that whenever God opens up a door of opportunity for you and for me that we're always prepared to walk through it whether we are mentally prepared or not because you never know i mean it's like you might be just going to the grocery store you're thinking i just need avocados for some guacamole okay but god might say no but there's someone in the parking lot that i want you to talk to yes we have to always be prepared but i never want to lose the moving of the Holy Spirit. See, so when I prepare a Bible study, when I prepare this, or I'm going to go be a guest speaker somewhere or whatever, it's like I prepare, I have notes, I'm ready to go, I know where I'm going, but I don't want to lose the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do something a little bit different. Because I recognize that wherever I am, God might want to do something a little different with somebody that's in that congregation that I didn't prepare for. I might take a different different turn in a Bible study. You know, I might need to be open to that. For God can move in many ways. And God calls people where they're at and he uses what they have. And we need to be those people that he can use us in whatever we have at any given moment. There were times when God worked through natural elements in the Bible. Remember in Noah's day, he flooded the earth. That's a pretty radical thing. What about man's rebellion there with Elijah on Mount Carmel when he called fire down from heaven? 
Or what about when Jesus, just on the spur of the moment, took a boy's sack lunch and he fed 5,000 men plus their wives and children? Yes, God can move spontaneously at times without much warning. Yet God is also a God of details. And he has a purpose and a plan for everything under heaven. And today, we will continue to see God's plan as he institutes his first tabernacle, his first sanctuary. It's what the church will become. It's where God instituted what we're doing here today, having church. Moses was called by God to the top of a mountain. It was the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. And he was called alone to have some one-on-one time with the Lord. And the Bible says that Moses entered into the cloud that God inhabited. That cloud from a distance, it looked like a consuming fire with lightning going through it. And now Moses is in the midst of that cloud with God alone. This is where God was going to bring structure into the lives of God's people. And one of the ways he was going to do this was by letting every single person play a part. Get this. They were all going to play a part in the building of this tabernacle, this sanctuary, this church. They were all going to have a part of it. Yes, everyone's going to have a piece of the pie, you could say. We looked at some of those pieces last week that would be in the tabernacle itself. You know, mainly the Ark of the Covenant. Again, when the Ark of the Covenant, wherever this thing went, it represented the presence of God. The actual tabernacle itself had two rooms in it. One was the holy place, and then there was the holy of holies that went in there. And then there was the fire, the presence of God that would come down, and it would stand over the nation here, and it would be a pillar of fire by night, and it would be a pillar of a cloud during the day. Whenever that fire moved or the cloud moved, the people moved with it. So the tabernacle had to be able to be assembled and disassembled. So again, the Ark of the Covenant, you know, Ark again meaning chest, and it was to house the covenant, you know, the Ten Commandments, and the cover again was called the mercy seat. Now, it was made of acacia wood. We looked at that last week, and it was covered with pure gold. And the mercy seat, uh, the lid that went on top of it was between God and the law. For God is holy and his law establishes what it requires us to be, to be holy. So if you want to have a relationship with God, you have to be holy. That's why when anyone thinks that they're good enough to go to heaven, like, yes, are you a good person? Yes, I am. I, I got a, a chihuahua from the, the rescue thing and he ate my couch and I still love him. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, that's nice. Okay, listen, when we think we're good and we think, well, I'm gonna go to heaven because you ask the majority of people on planet earth, are you a good person? Yes. Do you think you're gonna go to heaven? Well, I hope so. It's like, uh, hold on. No, you're not a good person. We have all sinned before God. And this is why it's so important for us to read the Bible. Because when you read the law of God, it will confirm to us with amazing detail that we are not holy. That we are not good. Because when you read God's law, what it requires for us to be holy, you'll realize, uh, yeah, I fall short of that. Some people fall a little short. People like me fall way short. Okay, so, so it's like we 
have all sinned. None of us are righteous on our own. We have all broken the law of God. And that's the whole reason why we need a Savior. We've all sinned many times. Yes, reading the law of God, it opens our eyes to the reality of our shortcomings. And it closes our mouth to speaking of our own self-righteousness and how wonderful we are. And of course, that's why Jesus Christ came. He was born of a virgin. He came and lived just like you and me. It was God living in a human body of flesh and blood like you and me. He grew up, you could say, on the wrong side of the tracks, meaning he was born in this really poor area of Israel. Now, he could have been born as a little prince in a, in a total mansion, in a palace somewhere. But he decided, no, I want to live in the worst environment this way, no one can say, you know, God, you don't know what it's like being me. You don't know how hard it is. You don't know what I go through. You don't understand the pain that I have to endure on a daily basis. It's like, uh, yeah, well, how about not? But you don't know, God, what it's like. I've been rejected by my friends. Jesus was rejected by his own people and was crucified by them. Okay, well, how about that? You know, and I say his own people, of course, the majority of the Jewish people completely embrace Jesus. We as Christians are alive today because the majority of the believers in Christ were all Jews. It was only the religious leaders that turned their back on Jesus, but it was enough to crucify him. Yes, no one could have it as hard as what Jesus had when he grew up. But he came for one reason. Why did he come? To die for the sin of all humanity so that you and me could be born again and we could live, which is a healthy amen to that church, right? Amen. That's right. I like what it says in Romans 8, 3. It says, for what the law could not do. See, the law couldn't save anyone. All the law did was tell us that we need a savior. The law tells us this is how you're supposed to live. Oh, you're not living that way. Well, too bad for you, okay? See, what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. God did it. What did he do? Sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh. Now our sin can be forgiven. We can be cleansed and we can have a relationship with God through the death of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So Jesus now is our mercy seat. We were looking at the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus is our mercy seat. He's our mediator. We don't have to go to a Catholic church and sit in and confess our sin to a priest. No, Jesus is our high priest. He's our mediator. He's the one that stands in the gap for us. And just as God looked down from heaven at the covenant, at the Ark of the Covenant, he looked at it through the mercy seat. The law that he made in the Ark, God looked through the mercy seat for we have all broken the law of God. So now, since we, like the children of Israel, have also broken the law of God, God now looks at us through the mercy of the shed blood of Jesus. He is our mercy seat. Now, as we continue in our study through the book of Exodus, we are going to look at five chapters today. For God will go into amazing detail on the construction of this tabernacle, this sanctuary, this 
church in the wilderness that he desires to build. Now, we obviously could spend several studies here, but we will cover the bulk of what God was instructing them to do. Well, let's look at our first point here, skilled workmen, as we read together in Exodus chapter 26, picking up in verse 21. He says, moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with 10 curtains of fine twisted linen and blue and purple and scarlet material, and you shall make them with cherubim, the work of skillful workmen. And the length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits, the width of each curtain, four cubits, and all the curtains shall have the same measurements. Five curtains shall be joined to one another, and the other five curtains shall be joined to one another. Verse 4, you shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set, and likewise you shall make them on the edges of the curtain that is outermost in the second set. And you shall make 50 loops in the one curtain, and you shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is the second set and the loops shall be opposite each other and you shall make 50 clasps of gold to join the curtains to one another with the clasps so that the tabernacle will be a unit okay so you're like all right that's a lot of details what does that even look like okay so as you can see our god though is a god of very many details and he wants it done by who a bunch of like people like yeah i got a little bit of time let me just give my you know leftovers to the lord here let me give my crumbs left you know to him no god who wants it done by skilled workmen understand nothing has changed with god today as christians we should also be skilled workers You know, I worked in construction for years. There were those that would always take shortcuts and and do subpar workmanship. And it used to drive me crazy. Like, why is this guy being such a slacker here? You know, I'd go in there to lay a floor and and the walls would be out of rack and all of this and out of square. And you're like, why wouldn't the guy just do it right? I mean, you take the time to do it, spend a little bit more time and do it right. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 7, with good render service as unto the Lord and not unto men. And this is why I've said so many times in times past, it's like when a Christian is a worker, they should do the best at whatever you do. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what occupation you do. You should be the best at it. You should be the most hardworking. And that's what leaves us as Christians. We should be the highest paid in wherever you work. You remember thinking, well, you should tell my boss that because I'm not the highest paid. Well, let me ask you, maybe you're not the highest paid. Are you the hardest worker? I've had Christians come to me and say, there's been 10 people that have come in and have been advanced in front of me at my job. I've been there the longest and everyone gets advanced but me. And I've just wondered to myself, well, why is that? Do other people work harder than you? Are they more faithful than you? Are you calling in sick when you're not sick? You know, every job I've ever had comes with X amount of work days. I mean, you know, uh, sick days. You know, I've never used them, ever. I mean, I, just, I don't care how sick I go to work. I mean, it's like, it's just, you know, I mean, yeah, you occasionally miss a day because you're actually sick, but I just, I go. 
I do. And it's like when I was in the workforce, it didn't matter what trade I was in. I was always the highest paid guy. Why? Because I outpaced everybody. I outworked everyone. My desire was to do quality workmanship. I wanted to do it better than anyone else. And God blessed that. And it's like, that's how every Christian should be. And so if you go in with that mentality, like, you know what? I'm a Christian. I'm going to be the best employee here. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to work hard. I'm not going to take the breaks that everyone else does. I am going to work hard. Guess what? You're going to get promoted. That's just the way it is. That's who God wants to use. As men and women of God, we are called to do our jobs as unto him. How much more should we honor the Lord in serving him? So if we're supposed to do that in the secular workforce, how much more should we take that to another level in serving the Lord? You know, our church has become, core church here in Los Angeles, has become a refuge and a shelter for many people. People have had their lives changed because they started coming to this church. Marriages have been restored. We've had multiple people just going through the Exodus study, looking at what sin is, as we took the Ten Commandments completely apart and looked at them in detail. We've had people that have been living together, coming to church here for some time, have been getting married. We're doing marriages here. We're doing them in the offices of the pastors because people have been married, have children, and they haven't been married. And so they've gotten married. Like, we don't want to live in sin anymore. Things are happening here at this church. People will say that's not a popular subject in Los Angeles, you know, saying that sin outside, you know, sex outside of marriage is sin. Well, guess what? It is. And the Bible says you can't go to heaven if you're a fornicator, if you're having sexual relations outside of marriage. You're like, that's not a popular subject in America. In fact, it's not a popular subject anywhere in the world, but that's what God's word teaches. And those that want to go to heaven, guess what? They'll do what God says. People that have had addictions have gotten off of their addictions. They've been put off. Children have connected with our children's ministry so much that parents that would normally come to church like once a month, uh, you know, once every, you know, a couple weeks, you know, now they come every week. Why? Because the kids get them and say, we want to go to church because they love our children's ministry. They want to be part of it. We have quality children's ministry because we're not babysitting kids. Now, granted, if your child's six months old or three months old, yes, we might be, you know, taking care of them. But while the caretakers are taking care of them, they have Christian music playing and they're reading in the scripture, even at that young age. But we have curriculum that is biblically correct and it's not compromising. Yes, God wants to work, though. Because how is all that possible? It's possible because we have volunteers that serve here at Core Church. When people come in here struggling, when they don't know where to turn, we've had so many people just in the last month that have been Googling us. It's like, hey, how'd you hear about us? Well, I Googled you, like a church here in LA. We come up the first thing. We have people driving by. You know, we're on a little bit of a busy street here. 90,000 cars go up and down La Cienega every day. And it's like people will just come driving in. But we have attendants here. We have parking lot attendants that smile and wave at people and welcome you. We have greeters at the door that greet you. I just had someone tell me here uh, last week, he was, you know, I just started coming to this church and I've been going to this other church for five years. There's no one at the door. They don't know who I am. They could care less. I come in here and I get, I get greeted by three or four people before I even get to the seat. I'm like, praise Jesus. 
Thank you, ushers. Yes, you know. Amen. We have technical people on our cameras behind the scenes. We have all these young people, you know, here, older people that are on the cameras. We have a whole host of people that watch us online. We have 19 radio stations back east. And it's like all these people are watching us online throughout the United States. We get these donations like, you know, Michigan, Iowa, Texas. We're not on the radio there. How are these people watching us? Because you can take our app now. Our app is so cool that you can hear a message today once it's downloaded uh, about an hour after our last service, you can say, man, I got my friend in Tennessee. I got my friend in Massachusetts. I got my friend in Maine. And I can, I can take it, push a button and it sends it right to their phone. And you can say, here, you know, check out this message. It's a boom, boom. And now they're watching the same message you just watched two hours earlier. Yes, core church, we desire to be all that we can be. But how many believers are using God's gifts and talents? Like, are you using your gifts and talents? Are you using those to see other people be touched by a God that loves them and that they can grow in their relationship with Christ? Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.